Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pre-Gen, the show where we make up stuff and it is pre-generated. Hi, Colin. That is categorically false. Hi. How's it going? Um, well, welcome back. Um, just to let you guys know, um, you can send in voice messages to our podcast um, uh, for Pre-Gen if you'd like to send in a message um, at the description of every single one of our episodes there's a link that you can follow and you can send a voice message to our show and you may be featured on our next episode um and you can also email us we have our email in our bio on spotify apple podcasts and anchor um so feel free to give us some ideas because we're always looking for things to bs on the fly um jacob absolutely always needing (laughs) more more ways to <laughs> always need more material to fill out the script is that not what dms do um uh-huh. jake jacob i'm told that you have an item that you'd like to share with me before we get started today what is your what is your fun item for the day uh the item of today is a soul coin this is a very levied item that you might find in a campaign with a dark undertone uh uh in common situations, you'd probably find these kind of coins in like an infernal situation, like in a city in the Nine Hells. However, these coins are about five inches across, weighing about a third of a pound, uh, inscribed with infernal writing and a spell that magically binds a single soul to the coin. Hmm. And this is uh, from this is from Baldur's Gate: Descent into Avernus. I'm guessing. Uh, yes, it this is. Sounds like something from Descent into Avernus. Uh, basically, the These coins are filled with souls, and an evil creature may carry as many soul coins as it wishes. Uh, A non-evil creature can only carry an amount equal to less than its con mod, equal to less than its con mod without a penalty. So if it goes up to the con modifier, you'll start to get a penalty, which is disadvantage on attack rolls, ability checks, and saving throws. Nice. Uh, These coins have three charges. You can use an action to spend a charge. Uh, you can either drain away some of the essence to gain temp HP, a D10. You can ask a soul a question, which you can uh, receive in a brief telepathic response, which you understand. Uh, or you can free the soul, casting a spell that removes a curse on the soul coin, frees the soul trapped in it. It does, does expanding all of a soul's charges. The coin itself rests from within and is destroyed once its soul is released. Freed soul travels back to the realm of the god it served, or the outer plane, most closely tied with its alignment. Uh, what do you think is a good instance to give a player a soul coin? Because I feel like it definitely is thematically appropriate for certain characters. Um, I feel like there are certain characters I would not give a soul coin to, but what do you think? What do you think would be the best scenario to give one of your players a soul coin? So... Its original environment gives Soulcoin the use of saying, hey, using these as a little bit of currency doesn't make you feel bad. But once you take it out of that original medium, it starts to feel a little bit more harsh and soulless, quote unquote, to use the coin. Right. But I think that's a good reason that you can kind of give this to uh, any kind of uh, perhaps like a vengeance paladin. Or maybe some kind of uh, uh, fiend uh, sorcerer. Yeah, I, I was thinking. I was thinking. Yeah, vengeance paladin, fiend sorcerer. 
I think Warlock too. I think any Warlock would probably fare probably fine with tormenting with people's souls. That sounds yeah. kind of on, on brand. Oftentimes we'll just be used as a little shield, but that's honestly good enough to use and feel like, you know what? I'm just going to use this soul to give myself a little bit of an extra shield. That's very on par for a good, good Warlock thing. Yeah, and considering also you get multiple charges in there too, I think that that's perfectly... I think that is that's quite that's quite all right. Um, but uh, let's let's get on to uh, what we're talking about today. Last episode, we said we were going to talk about homebrew spells. Um, obviously, yes, homebrew spells, I, homebrew spells are are a really interesting part of D anD D and also other tabletop RPGs. I do want to remain conscious of the fact that there are probably some people that maybe listen to this and don't play 5e or play D&D 5th edition but i mean mo- i think most of the concepts we talk about are pretty agnostic in terms of what you're really playing with if you're playing pathfinder or D&D or whatever may have you but i think homebrew spells is a really interesting endeavor because typically especially with 5e i feel spells are very restrictive and have a lot of rules and you need to play them very specifically so i feel like a lot of the times when i see homebrew spells from my friends or from people on the internet, they're either often very overpowered or they are meaningless and just very stupid and just kind of for flavor and for fun. Um, what, what do you think sets apart like an actually good homebrew spell versus just something really ridiculous? So when you are building uh, a homebrew spell and you're trying to decide what actually makes sense, there is a couple big ideas. I think that, make a homebrew spell feel meaningful that's synergy uh meaning that if you have a very specific build in mind and you want to get a spell that really just flush it out without feeling powerful having a very synergetic effect or having a uh, effect that's more just on theme or something an example is if you want to create a effect similar to additional spell a very common homebrew uh goal of players is just say hey can i take that spell from that's already that's already here. I just want it to be this kind of damage, and I want it to be flavored differently. But I just want it to do the same thing for my kind of build over here. Depending at DM's discretion, that's a very easy way of going about it. Doing it via what makes sense. If you're saying, "Hey, you know what? We're focused on making this guy stronger in battle, but we're going to use nature magic to do so." Hey, you know what? We're going to give him a big nature sword, and that's our spell. Something like yeah. that, and that would be more along the lines of a synergetic with still the druid theme perhaps but it's yeah. really all up to what the players want and what the dm will allow oftentimes a really good way to balance any spell out with this especially anyone that does damage is just to adjust the level and adjust the dice that of the damage really between yeah, those I... two things once you're above a minimum threshold for what any other crazy effects are using those two things you can make the uh, spell pretty much viable or fair within a certain degree I definitely think that, um, yeah, level <clears throat> level and damage for sure are, are going to be the two aspects that will make or break a homebrew spell, whether or not they're even usable or if they were just complete, you know, garbage. Um, I yeah. do also think that the um, casting time too, uh, whether it's an That's action, a bonus action, if it's instantaneous, if it's constant, if it's concentration or not. I think I've for casting seen... time, you have to reference other spells. You cannot do it in a vacuum. Oh, for sure. I mean, I because the, the way I think of it is that you can have an, a great homebrew spell um, that totally thematically makes sense for a character, 
but if it's broken in the in the manner that it's a, like a bonus action or maybe it doesn't require concentration or maybe they really wanted to mention that it can be ritual cast and they are just trying to exploit the fact that they can ca- you know ritual cast it um i think that there are there are opportunities where it can kind of fudge up the the mm-hmm. cool factor of the spell and make it just a little too much but not very easy for the dm yeah and there's there's a couple ways to look at how hey what is really strong damage at every level i say all right at our no as a as a general benchmark know what the absolute maximum damage that spells can do in 5e rule of yeah. thumb fireball is the highest benchmark of efficiency if something's more efficient than fireball or <laughs> way more or or really close it's still very strong yeah <laughs> you know it, it, and, I, and i think that especially with that, that with that, that, that um, well yeah blight as with well that, with that and with that analogy of of using your fireball as the sort of litmus you know paper um i mean imagine you know yeah fireball is powerful but what if you give fireball to an evocation wizard now now you have it now you have an especially um efficient spell that is going to be working even more flavorful and you know even more efficiently i i think that definitely the 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 class and the um casting type of that class full caster half caster whatever um can also really really change the power level of the spell i have uh uh homebrew spells of my own that i've made a couple of times and i might share a little bit here okay one that ahead. i made a one that i made a while ago i think kind of explains some of these points that i wanted to bring up a little bit about like synergy a little bit are you this going to across, are you going to put a are you going to put a all rights reserved copyright jacob on this and well no <laughs> i i had it posted on dnd beyond for uh a number of years now actually okay um it is called flashbang and my inspiration for this spell was i was playing a circle of the shepherd and we were playing a campaign where i was a summoner druid and i was just casting nonstop conjuration spells all the time and my thought was like all right when i'm maintaining concentration on my summon what am i supposed to do the whole time i need a spell that i want to do something that feels meaningful but that i want to be able to power up my uh summons so i'm like you know what i talked to my dm he said hey i'd be down to do something like that and i said what if it does something that makes people uh flinch and opens them up for an opportunity attack so with that we said all right having them make a save if they fail oh no sorry i have it so make a okay i'm just gonna read the description out for you it's second level casting time one action uh 60 foot range vsm components uh which the m is a pinch of black powder uh evocation spell you launch a charged ball of energy at an enemy. Make a ranged spell attack. On a hit, the target takes 2d8 thunder damage as a disorienting explosion renders the target open to attacks. Any creatures within reach may then use their reactions to take an opportunity attack against the affected target. When you cast this level, the spell at a level above second, you add 1d8 damage additional for each level above second. Nice. So that was like an example of the spell that I wanted to create. I'm like, you know what? If it's just, I don't need to do it, I just want to do a little bit of something that just feels cool and synergetic. 
that really just can feel like it in the right circumstance, it's can actually be powerful, but on its own, probably shouldn't be a S tier or a even A tier spell, you know? Yeah. Um, I especially I think the scaling works really well for that too. Um, I think that especially with a spell like that where you're it's not only crowd control, but it's also you know, trying to just manage the battlefield and manage who you're trying to attack, making sure that spells like that are scalable, I think is really, really important too. Um, there are a lot of spells that I've seen, even in even in the player's handbook and, you know, just in the standard rules, um, a lot of spells I've seen that I feel like would really benefit from being scalable or would benefit from having a little extra oomph um, yeah. and they just, they, you know, they fall flat. And, and in my mind, the always remedy is like, if it's really, you know what, that's too powerful. If it's every level, make it every two levels or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. If it's a high level spell, it's kind of hard to upscale it, but if it's a level spell, it's a good idea to give it at least an option or to try. Yeah. I, 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 I agree. Um, you, did you say you had a second one or uh, how many, how many you got for me? Hmm, let's see. Eeny, meeny, miny. Um, yeah, I made one for uh, another campaign that I wanted to play with. Uh, a, a spell that I wanted to use. Let me see which version I submitted or through the same. That looks like the same. Okay. Uh, I made one for a... I wanted to play a... Uh, a robot cleric named Mother. Oh, and, yes, you've talked about your robot cleric before. Yep, and I made a spell for her, and I called it Radiant Smash, and I got the, uh, uh, Justin, who was running it, agreed to it, so it is as follows. It's a first-level spell, because we're starting low. It's one action. It's a touch spell. Verbal, somatic, opponents, instant, evocation. Uh, radiant energy surrounds your hand to deliver a strike to a creature you try to hit. Make him Melee spell attack against a target. On a hit, the target takes 2d8 radiant damage, and you gain 1d4 temporary hit points. The spell's damage increases by 1d8. The temporary HP increases by 1d4 for each level above first that you cast the spell. So, here's the thing. Its damage starts low, but it scales fairly well. But because of the temporary hit points as well, and because it's a touch spell that only actually triggers on a hit, it still is able to seem like it's not too terribly strong just yet. The yeah. tough part with these things is saying, hey, if I would have made the damage much higher, or if you start to make it comparable to others, and you have it doing more than just that one thing, yeah, that's where you start to have a effect that you really have to take, take into consideration the effect. Yeah, so I have... I have a spell here. Um, I found this on Reddit, <laughs> as I find most of my things. And I saw this one. I thought it was interesting. I thought that this is this is a neat spell that fills a hole in paladin gameplay that I feel like I feel like some people would probably appreciate. Um, so this Reddit user named Frank Isaacs uh, made this spell called Holy Lance. And it's a second level evocation spell for Paladin. Um, one action, verbal, somatic, and material. The material component is the Paladin's melee weapon. 
And um, the flavor text here is your weapon becomes encased in a lance of brilliant light. Um, as part of the spell, you or you and your mount move in a straight line to an unoccupied space within 30 feet. This movement does not provoke opportunity attacks. Make a melee attack roll against a creature you can reach. And on a hit, uh, the target suffers the attack's normal effects and takes an extra 2d10 radiant damage. At higher levels, when you cast the spell, um, using a, a spell slot of third level or higher, the damage increases by 1d10. Um, I like the idea of having a paladin charge forward in battle on a mount or not on a mount on foot or on a horse i think there needs to be more mounted combat spells in the game i know i I, is something that is awesome and in any fantasy setting i think it's something that should really be having a little bit more robust rule set and be just enforced to be a more common thing i think is just really fun in a little situation either to have casters who do aoe have i just hit two targets at once yeah also makes it feel better to be someone who is a i'm a big person with a sword i'm gonna charge it with my horse yeah i think that um i again i think it fills that hole really well and i think that there for there to be more spells like that and for players and dms to come up with more spells to fill that just thematic area of imagine a paladin rushing through a field and nothing can stop them and they are going to deal you know significant radiant damage which is totally on totally on character and totally on brand i think works really really well and um i think that again the scaling i think that i see way too many spells that don't give a decent opportunity to scale up as you get more powerful and as your level increases you know there are a lot of spells that could totally benefit from just having that little extra kick yeah, and again, looking at Kenneth's part level, that is a strong spell, but it's not stronger than any other alternatives at any respective level you would cast, you know? Yeah. Yep. It, it, yeah. it still does its job. It still is as efficient. Does It's not more efficient. It's at a decent point. Yeah, so I, I think so, yeah. All right. Uh, with that, uh, do you have, if you had to create your own spell based off of either a specific theme or synergy, what kind of theme or synergy would you want to explore? Oh, man. You know, it's hard to say because I feel like, I feel like after the player's handbook and after the Dungeon Master's Guide, a lot of the supplement books did a really good job of doing that and creating more spells when they add in spells not every book does but when they do add in spells i feel like they do a good job of starting to blend these ideas blending these themes of you know casting i will say i feel like there is an unused area or sort of a sort of a lack of like element elemental synergy so spells that maybe combine elements together correct me if i'm wrong but i don't really know any spells that you have the opportunity to sort of combine elements together into a single, you know, yeah. attack. Well, like honestly, having like a having like a I know it's a little busted, but as a high level spell, mm-hmm. imagine having the ability for for one attack, one spell casting attack to deal different kinds of damage, maybe depending on a roll oh. or depending on, you know. Yeah. 
the only really example I can think of is is using spells like web or grease, mm. which yeah. are flammable. Uh, I, I yeah. believe grease is flammable as well. Yeah, and they, you know, they obviously synergize with fire. But having more than just standard, okay, fire, everything's on fire. You know, I think it would be right. neat to have other elemental synergies. I think that stuff that combines stuff a spell that does some damage and maybe not makes someone vulnerable because that's very difficult but maybe says that if they leaves them marked to some extent and if they get hit with an additional spell or effect by an ally or right. of a certain elemental type they will have to make a save or they will take damage or be maybe uh, stunned or perhaps any other similar effect you know there's right. A great deal of conditions in the Dungeon Master's Guidance slash Player's Handbook to look at. So, yeah, I I think the, the the first thing I think of when I think of a spell that I would like to actually sit down and write, which I have not, but maybe I will after after this. But is just this idea of having some way, and it's it's got to be it's still going to be a bit randomized. Obviously, it can't be like totally, um, you know. Uh, totally art, art artifice and created but having a way to just combine different elements and create something weird i feel like i feel like that's always an opportunity to make a spell really cool is just making an elemental combination that you probably would not expect um watching a sorcerer throw a flaming ball of lightning at you <laughs> like it's just yeah. a, it's a it's a weird concept but i think it would be i think that a good way to do it as well you can always just say that hey this this damn this uh spell does does this amount of damage and if before the end of your next turn when this other contingency happens it does double about of this other type yeah um i feel like the only way that i can like actually like vanilla synergize elements together is using booming blades main side effect and combining that extra damage with another element and having that movement you know find a find a way to get your enemy to move <laughs> And not only get them to move, but deal some elemental damage to them, and it's going to deal multiple different kinds of elemental damage. That's that's the only way I can really actually do it, but other than having a homebrew spell. Yeah, I think that having uh, even having a spell that says any saving throws of a certain type while this creature is affected by this against any fire magic or against any other type of magic are at disadvantage. Something like that yeah. is a good way of doing it as well. Yeah, I I I agree. Yeah. Um my my last question I'm gonna throw at you, my gambit, is what is a homebrew spell that you would deny as a DM? What is a spell that if someone were to throw at you that you would say, it's not happening. I'm not putting this in, I'm not putting this in my my campaign. What's a yeah, hard line I no? Honestly, most straight up damage spells, I'm going to say no to. I think that's in bad faith, to say the least. If someone is just trying to come up, come up and create a spell that says, "Hey, you know, I my spell list doesn't look that good. I want to create a dam a damage spell that all it does is does damage." I'm like, you know what? No, I I don't want to bet the rules that much just to deal damage. You know, right. if if it's a if it's something that's like reskinning a, a different spell that's also of equivalent power to deal a certain damage type, 
but not just to completely feel like a yak you didn't have before. That's different. That's more of like a right. reskin, which is one situation. A, a homebrew spell of its own that just does damage. That's really just in bad faith and not really looking to build on any synergy or theme. That's just someone wanting to deal more damage and kind of exploit the idea of homebrewing in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that the one time that a, a player came to me and offered this idea for this homebrew spell, um, it w- is kind of what kind of what you just said. You were pretty much on point with what I was going to say, but um, it was this idea that they had where they felt as though they just weren't dealing enough damage um, uh, as a as an eldritch knight, and they just didn't have enough opportunities to use spell casting instead of sword fighting and that's another topic that's another thing i mean like you have your weapon for a reason but they wanted to like theme wise flavor wise deal more spell casting damage i said okay well you have you have a plethora of things to choose from like you you do have opportunities to deal that and they're like no no no. i, I want i want a spell that just makes me essentially cast damage like deal damage and i was like hey you have a weapon for that you have booming blade for that or you do green flame blade or you could really do anything else that would be a bit more on character, a bit more on point, rather than just saying, I want to cast more damage as a class that already deals a lot of damage. Yeah, I think that a good way, if it, if someone wants to do a damage spell, a good way to make it have some flavor and maybe make it appropriate is to have it perhaps deal damage upon conditions that makes my sense for the character build or something but right. make it so it's not just a genuine this can always be an efficient damage solution you know yeah. it, it can be a good damage spell but say hey it's only a damage spell if they uh fail the save and they are successfully knocked prone or they're successfully dropped below half or i don't know yeah you can have a lot of different associated conditions with it or ways that it's only going to be really efficient if they're near terrain or bounce back into a wall or something you know i think another another big less damage another big red flag would be if that homebrew spell doesn't have any opportunity for the enemy to make a saving throw um if it is a damaging spell and if it is pretty powerful and there's no stipulation that if they you know fail a wisdom saving throw or fail a dexterity saving throw whatever whatever the the charisma um I feel like that's another area for for you could easily turn a busted and broken spell into a balanced one just by giving the enemy the ability to make a saving throw and either have the damage or cancel the damage altogether. And I we was kind of I was kind of asked a uh, a question of before we head out on this balancing custom spell. I think that first the exact way to truly balance it if you want to go about building a custom spell. Look around, see what other condition, what conditions you're trying to affect or what major other things you want to immediately happen. Try to compare it in level. Get That gets your baseline without any damage associated with it. Figure out how much damage it should do. Figure out how much levels that's worth. And then balance it off of that. As long as it's not too high level, figure out what casting time makes sense with it as well. But for yeah. that, you have to, you have to use reference. Doing yeah. this in a vacuum is a bad idea. I think I think pulling pulling a leaf from really any book and seeing a spell, even if it's not something published by the publisher, 
and it is just a homebrew spell um, or homebrew class or whatever you may be, I think that's probably the best way to do it anyway, regardless. If you see a spell, you like it, but you wish it were a little different, do it. Take that's that's what the game's all about. The game is imagination to begin with. It's all imaginary already. Take that, turn it around, transform it into whatever makes most sense for your character, and do it. Um, I about a year ago had a player where he really wanted a custom class and everything, custom class, custom origin, race, spells, the whole thing. And I said, okay, we'll do it as long as you and I both work on it. And we're going to put our heads together and we're going to really refine this thing. And we're going to we're going to have multiple versions of this, too. We're going to have V1, V2, V3. And we started slowly refining and sort of pulling ideas from homebrew classes, homebrew spells, official stuff. And we started creating these ideas for spells that were our own. They were, you know, in fair use, obviously created from something else, but. Um, they were slowly transformed until they just made sense for the character or we would run a session and I would tell him afterward, Hey, that was really good, but that one thing was really broken and we need to fix that because that does not work. And you know, it doesn't, it totally screws with the, you know, the fight. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's one of the best ways to do is trial and error. If the spell didn't do great the first time around, change it around and, and, you know, make it a, maybe a little uh, more or less balanced. Absolutely. This, it has to be a, it's important in any creation process to have collaboration because if you want to create anything that is worth even remotely considered being balanced, you have to have multiple sets of eyes on and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Whenever I create anything homebrew, I often will have multiple people look at it before I even put it out or even put it to a DM because I want to say, Hey, is this just kind of stupid or what do you think about this? Or, Hey, this is my cool spell. Look at it. Right. You know, it seems silly, but oftentimes people say, Ooh, that's a lot of damage or wow. That's, that's only a bonus action, you know? Right. And I think that's another, that's, that's another um, reason for, you know, publishing and, you know, uploading your cool ideas to um, Reddit or to or emailing your, us, you know, or emailing cool us, yeah, or or oh, sending us a voice, voice message. Yeah, that works too. Um, but no, I think that by sending people your ideas and saying, hey, I have this thing, I want to make it better, or I think this part is weird, you know, help me fix it. Um, there are a bunch of subreddits that I'm subscribed to that are wholly specifically for just D&D homebrew content. And a lot of people who post on there are There is really no just shortage of D&D feedback. on the internet. Well, you're right. And then like, there's, they're really, if anything, they're looking for feedback and advice rather than a show and tell. Um, I think a lot of people think that when you try and find custom spells and custom classes and stuff online, it's just people bragging, being like, Ooh, look, I made this really awesome, whatever, whatever riff on lightning bolt. Um, but really in actuality, they're, they're probably just trying to find a cool way to turn it around and make it, you know, make it make more sense for their character. And um I know this is this is deviating a little bit from custom don't spells. Make, don't make the next don't make the next lightning bolt. Make the next wrist wrist pocket or whatever that one is. <laughs> <laughs> the one that's um, like borderline useless. <laughs> I think so cool. I think that um it's not it's not exactly custom spell, but it is in the same vein. And this is the, this is how I want to end this um this whole thing on custom spells. 
is um even if the spell is not changed even if the actual like ramifications the damage all the statistics of the spell aren't really changed it's the way you cast it and the way it's actually done in game i think that warrants enough for it to be special and for it for it to be considered its own um I'm if really you sometimes want to use an existing spell and say it's flavored a different way oftentimes gm will allow it <laughs> yeah i mean i think i i would never say no if it's just a spell but it's simply done a different way as long as it does the same thing at the end of the day if it does what it's supposed to do i don't care um a long time ago i had this idea for an artificer um that i, I don't like the concept of how artificers use their tools as their spellcasting focus i feel like that's really goofy to watch a you know unknown jingle around a set of tools and keys and lockpicks and that's how they cast a spell yeah that's how it's written is that their tools are their are their focus but um i had this concept for a artificer where they have essentially a 3d printer backpack and the backpack is their focus the backpack creates the spell air quotes creates the spell so when the artificer casts um you know acid splash they're actually like printing a little vial of you know poison and maybe they're gonna whip it at somebody and that's the version of because at the end of the day it's a very good way to make the fabricate effects feel reality and if yeah perfect perfect for a space jammer setting as well Uh, yeah (laughs) and i think that it's it if you don't want it to be completely high fantasy and you don't want it to be completely you know magic and mysticism and elves and stuff as long as it is somewhat believable and realistic i i don't care i mean you know i play a bard and he's practically a wizard at this point he's so high level he knows so many wizard spells and you know when he casts lightning bolt he doesn't just you know play a silly song in his in his lyre he you know like pulls back the strings to the point where they nearly snap and you know he lets it loose and lightning flies from the loot um i don't care like that's just that is that's got to be the most custom and customized way to cast a spell without actually reading you know how you're really supposed to do it do it with your own flavor make it yours make it your characters yeah get a care to bring us all back with next time what we're talking about well, hey, I didn't get to talk about my my last thing I wanted to mention. Oh, oh sorry, what was, I had, that? What one was more, that? I had one more thing up my sleeve. One more thing. Um, this, is, this, this has nothing to do with spells at all. If you were to have a battle royale with um, level 10 of every class, so you've, you have a fight going on, and it's, it's a level 10 paladin, level 10 ranger, level 10 warlock, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. And they all have this relatively the same, you know, stat block, the same health and whatnot. Who wins? Who comes out on top? If we're going off of only officially published content and they're pretty much all at the same power level, who wins in that fight? I would. Well, I would give the edge to any of the full casters. Mm. I think it at that point, it comes to very uh, I think that a level 10 sorcerer would have a pretty good shot however the reality is all the uh there's a lot of dps in that whole deal i think that i would give the edge to either perhaps the cleric or the druid yeah with the third place being like a fighter i'd say i was thinking the two classes that i was thinking were sorcerer and druid and i think it's 
primarily just because of their their sort of stamina slash longevity, so to speak, how long they can really last on the battlefield without needing to rescind or sorry, recede and, um, you know, take a break. Um, and sorcerer um, will just let you out DPS anywhere, everyone else. The thing with sorcerer yeah, is that you'll just die the quickest too. That That's the other thing too, is just the glass cannon, like who, it may not necessarily the be that they, yeah, and the initiative too, you know, I think that unfortunately, like, the the classes that are going to have the hardest time are the ones that struggle with control on the uh, in a battle and struggle with actually like keeping a crowd controlled because what if if we really are taking this scenario and we're looking at every single class one of every single class that's a lot of that's a lot of players on the field it, it, it'll come down to the environment and the luck of the rolls for a lot of it but mm-hmm. in a in a wide scope of situations assuming that reach isn't too much of a factor the edge is really going to balance between which what has the higher dps being your fighter slash barbarian or mm-hmm. also i'd say paladins also in that group yeah versus your high level casters being your sorcerer wizard cleric and druid as well and then i'd say bard and rogue are at a disadvantage for sure artificer is at disadvantage for sure yeah i think that they what hunter i'd say is at a disadvantage paired up with everyone else i would say yeah well blood, blood hunter is now now we're getting into technicality that's homebrew how, cop, official, that's homebrew how official that really is it's homebrew. um it's homebrew but is it in a is it in a an officially licensed book no uh no but it, no. <laughs> I, I will say that half of the there is Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, and I think Another most Deep. people, I think most people will respect it as a class. I think most people respect that it's real. Yeah. Um, I do think, um, was I don't know, did you say wizard? Oh, did you say wizard warlock, was going to be one of your warlock? Is warlock is going to be, I think, warlock and ranger are both really good along with rogue, but I think they just fall a little bit short on having enough fuel to win. I don't think that they would be successful for long enough. I don't, right. I don't think that they, I don't I think think they, they, they don't got enough fuel to win. Uh, I don't think solo. they would last for long enough. I think that did, did we talk about wizard? Did you say wizard or did I say wizard? I said, well, I think. Uh, it, it depends. Yeah. It depends if the wizard has time to prepare, because I think that being a wizard, you have so much more access to many different potentials compared to the other to compare to the other players on the field i think that the wizard if given the time to prepare i know that's the age old like oh who would win a fight oh batman versus batman, 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 yeah. batman so, if he has an hour to prepare you know whatever whatever you know Bat- batman beats uh you know the silver surfer with an hour silver surfer with an hour to prepare with an hour to prepare right but like no but seriously like a wizard if they give a little bit of time i think that they are favored i think that um uh shoot even imagine if it is a, a necromancer wizard and the fighter and the paladin die what's stopping the necromancer wizard from just resurrecting <laughs> the fighter I, or the paladin i would argue that with with preparation time paladin also strikes very high up in likelihood yeah but yeah yeah definitely definitely i think that 
it's honestly it is a loaded question i do think that really any of them could could probably make it though notice how neither of us said ranger at any point in this conversation <laughs> no yeah ranger is not gonna not favored it's possible but it's not favored uh, i would i wouldn't i don't know if i'd chance it but um, i mean you know if anything's possible if the ranger hides in the back corner until the last minute and then it's the last one standing and they just have to clean up after a fight you know they could probably win yeah no you're right um well if you have any other questions about homebrew spells um or if you have any questions about our uh next episode's topic which is going to be world building um and crafting your own campaign setting and campaign you know world uh, if you have any questions pertaining to any of those, again, you can leave us a message um, on our podcast and we will uh, we you could be included in the next episode. Uh, that link is included in the descriptions of all our episodes and also in our bio and our emails in our bio as well. Um, and if you've made it this far into the video, thank you very much for watching. Uh, we appreciate it very much. Oh, yeah. We always appreciate it. You said video, Jacob. I said video. You said video. Dude, you know what that means. Now we need to make a video. Now we need now we need to do a video. Well, <laughs> mm-hmm. yikers. <laughs> <laughs>